Good evening. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Zanati Kuma, and I have Devin Schutz from the Urbe Group and Mark Dutoy from Oyster Catcher Investments joining me to unpack your stock-related questions this evening. Uh, be sure to send those questions via SMS to 41392, email at stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Uh, thanks so much for your time, gentlemen. I actually want to start off with you, Mark, um, at looking at the JSC because it had seem, seemed uh, quite undecided. I actually thought that it would remain in the red for the rest of the day. And then it, it eked out to some gains, um, ending off the day up more than a third of a percent. But as you saw the JC turning into the green, you saw the red going further into uh, the red. So is the JC just at this point a red weakness story? Well, I think today it, it was. I, what, what bailed out the, the index was NASPAS was up, uh, which is quite a large uh, constituent of the index. I mean, we've seen uh, quite a few volatile days after the close of month end. Um, so, you know, the last week of June was, you know, kind of, it was a good period for markets. The US markets were up, JSC was up, people were getting excited about uh, thinking about a no landing, you know, like no recession. Um, and then we saw a couple of things happen at the same time. So the um, Central Bank of Japan um, seemed like it was um, going to be, uh, changing course slightly, which meant a bit of a reversal of the um, the carry trade, which put uh, our rand under pressure. We had the Fitch downgrade of the US debt, which I think just kind of reminded um, the markets about the the large debt repayments that not only the US but all um, governments around the world are going to face now with high interest rates. Again, kind of highlighting that we need rates to come down. We need inflation to stay low. Um, yeah, and then a, a bit of a pullback in markets uh, followed. Yeah, I mean, I'm just uh, wondering, uh, Mark is talking about a reminder of the risks, uh, you know, with this uh, downgrade from Fitch coming out. But I mean, the markets had actually rallied quite nicely leading up to this month. Uh, Devon, would you say that the kind of uh, uh, pressure that we're seeing right now is maybe a correction of that rally and maybe the markets are still kind of bullish uh, at the core of it at this point? Yeah, look, I mean, I, th I think markets had run very, very strong, as Mark said, and there was the, the risk that some negative news could, could dent that sentiment. I think there's been an increasing belief that the Fed could actually thread this needle and engineer a, a stock landing. The jury's still out on that. But I think when you've got equity markets, particularly the U.S. equity markets, run so hard, in the first six, seven months of, of the year. Any, although, although we knew this was probably coming because um, the ratings agency had put them on watch, in, any bad news can can dent it and you see pullbacks like we've been seeing. So, you know, market is increasingly now turning towards growth and what that looks like and the impact on corporate earnings, particularly in the in the US. Um, and, and those have actually been good up to now. Probably, probably the reason the market has been so strong. I was just... Um, in our research, we saw that 80% of earnings in the U.S. for the season have beat estimates, which is higher than usual. So I think there was a lot of negativity um, coming into this year. It hasn't fully materialized. It, it may still. Uh, we, we're not too sure on that. Um, but but yeah, def definitely uh, risk appetite completely abated this, this week, and we saw it in emerging markets. We, we saw it in uh, commodities. We saw it in our currency. 
Yeah. Uh, talking about pressure, uh, before we move on to the questions, uh, what was interesting is MTN's share price movement down almost 8%, although it has reversed uh, some of those losses now, I think down just under 2% over 1%. Uh, Mark, any specific reason for this uh, really deep downward pressure on MTN? Yeah, I mean, I think it got kind of caught up in the in the emerging market um, sell-off, or, um, and it did underperform. Um, I mean, we don't see any specific um, issues in MTN. We're still, I think, near-term pressure because the Naira has now floated and has devalued. So obviously, the earnings out of Nigeria will be under pressure. But medium-term, I mean, we think that it's still got growth prospects. I think the market is also waiting for um, management to announce a potential sale of some of the a portion of their fintech business, and that's important because. The price that they get for that business will give direction as to what that business within MTN is worth. Is worth, um, and so I mean, a manager need to need to get a, a decent price for the slug that they sell, um, and then the market might might reprice uh, MTN higher off the back of that. Uh, Devin, would you look at this uh, sharp pressure on MTN maybe as an opportunity to go in, uh, or maybe would you still wait for a lower price if you are going in? Yes. Look, I, I think what investors have to um, remember is that that MTN has, has struggled. I think it was since around 2015. In, investors kind of woke up to the the fact that this is a business that operates in more frontier market um, like Nigeria, like Ghana, like South Africa, and they all have unique challenges. It is a highly cash generative business, but it has struggled with streaming that cash back to kind of group level. That's been a big issue with various currency devaluations as, as Mark outlined there. So yeah, I, th- I think I think it's starting to to offer some some value for us, but I, I do think you must be cautious. It, it's not going to be smooth sailing um, in a in a group like this. And and I think yeah, time, timing that entry is is key and, and now looks better than it has recently. Yeah, indeed, looking at those share price movements over the last few months, it really has not been smooth sailing. Uh, let's go into property. Um, and quite a lot of people actually recently have been uh, saying that there seems to be a lot of opportunity in that uh, property space. Of course, it has been beaten down uh, quite hard. Um, there is a question on Growth Point. Would you ask the panel about the merits of an investment in Growth Point at this stage? Mark? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I mean Growth Point is a is a quality property company. Um, if you're looking for specific exposure in that segment of the market, I think you can buy Growth Point at this at this junction. I mean, um, the the business case is really expecting rates to come down, expecting bond yields to come down, um, which means that your property uh, stock is paying out a, um, a a consistent dividend yield. Should be worth more, and we're expecting the the prices to rise off the back of that. Um, in within equity funds, if you want a bond-like type exposure, then you would definitely look at uh, at the property sector. I mean, if you if you're uh, an investor and you've got all the options available to you, then you kind of play the investing in a in a in a bond versus investing in a property stock. Um, the bond has the nice yield, but doesn't have the growth, and then the property stock should have better growth. Um, but having said all that, the macro environment for property remains tough. So your your business case has to has to be that uh, macro is going to improve um, and you're going to be able to 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 increase rental rates 
Um, and if that's your view, then yes, I think uh, Growth Point would be a buy for you. Ah, all right. Macroeconomic remains tough. Um, of course, uh, Growth Point is seen as uh, one of the better ones because of its uh, diversified uh, strategy. Devin, would you be going into Growth Point or would you maybe be going for another diversified one or maybe uh, industrial? Yeah, look, I mean, it's, it's, it's been a really, really tough space to, if, if you've been invested in there. Um, Mark's right. The, the, the macro really weighs in on this. I mean, if you've got slowing economic growth and a high rates environment, that's really, really difficult for, for real estate to, to pass on those, those rental increases. Uh, growth Point, really quality company, though, that must be said in the space. I mean, they've got over 400 properties across multiple sectors, geographies. So you're getting really rich diversification in, in a single counter. Um, but my sense is, you, you, you know, the, the, the glory is of, of listed real estate. So it's going to be a while to come back and, yeah, we, we're not rushing in. Mm, all right. We're just giving it some time. Uh, all right. So there's a question here on ETFs. Uh, are ETFs for China and India attractive investments for the long term, uh, i.e. to buy and hold? Uh, Mark? Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, the the attractiveness of them is is really India is a good uh, growth story. Um, I mean, I also like the fact that it's a, a democracy. Um, and so I think that if you are a long-term investor, I mean, I think you definitely can look at an India ETF. Uh, the benefit of the ETF is that you get good diversification. You're not having to, to pick uh, specific stocks. Um, and also uh, there are ETFs available um, in South Africa, um, so you don't have to have a brokerage account necessarily. Um, so yes, I mean, I think uh, I think over the long term, it's uh, it's not a bad place to put your money. Um, China is also probably valuations are better, but then you are dealing um, with more regulatory risk. I mean, we saw, I don't know if it was last year or the year before, where so the Chinese government decided that after after school education was uh, should not be allowed anymore and a few businesses were, were, were written off with the stroke of a pen um, and you don't have any recourse as a business in China. So I think there is more risk um, in, in a Chinese, um, owning a Chinese company, um, but then you're also going to pay, at this point in time, you are paying a lower price. So mm-hmm. a risk-reward type story. All right, I hear you. Yeah, India really being touted as one of the uh, attractive uh, investment destinations because of its uh, growth metrics. Uh, China, Mark mentions uh, regulatory risk, but there also has been a buzz of um, uh, ETFs for outside of China, still in Asia, for example, Japan. Um, Devin, would you be going for China and India or, or maybe um, ETFs for other regions? Sure. Well, we, we, we like those. Um, and it's quite, quite a nice way to get exposure through the iShares has an emerging market ETF. So that's going to give you a, quite a big allocation in there to China, um, to India, and a number of other emerging market economies. As Mark said, you get great diversification within there. And, and, and we think that's good. We think of you taking country-specific bets. I think you've got to be very, very, very sure as to, to why you're going in. You know, in, India has its own specific investment dynamics. The growth story looked good. The valuations look expensive. Um, China, less investor friendly. Um, but as an example, they don't have an inflation problem. And their, their growth, although missing on forecasts, is, is still, in absolute terms, really high. 
um, they've got the ability to stimulate the economy. So, yeah, we, we, we think with a broader emerging market ETF, you get nice exposure to both of those those countries, and that's how we're playing it at the moment. Ah, have any of you latched onto the Japan craze that we had seen recently? <laughs> no? No, uh, no yeah, specific. I can, I can yeah. take that. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, David? I, 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 think at a, I, I think at a stock level, there's, there's definitely um, some shares that we've started looking at that we may be having for a while, um, and, and they're coming to, to the fore there. Um, you, you know, there, there's one or two technology companies that, that we like there, a gaming company. Um, but yeah, again, got, got, got to do your homework. There's very specific dynamics. Uh, monetary policy is now um, kind of evolving there as well. So, so yeah, just, just want to be, keep on your watch list, but, but yeah, don't, don't rush in. Uh, there is a question on African Rainbow Capital. I'd love to hear the panel's opinions of this counter and whether they think it is a buy at these levels. Devon? Um, yes, in, interesting there. Uh, I, I quite like the portfolio. I mean, you've got really nice diversification um, across financial services, um, banking, um, insurance, asset management, and, and the like. And, and then, you, you know, all the way spanning to property and agriculture on their more diversified side. So, you know, I think what, what you're getting here is, is you're getting an intrinsic portfolio. Um, I believe it is trading at a, at a discount to its NAV, which is, you know, fa- fairly common in these in these type of companies at the moment and and yeah when when i think that you, you you're getting some of those unlisted assets that, that you maybe aren't able to access normally that we quite like ah, all right um yeah actually quite interesting because it's unlisted assets but we also know the 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 route that Remgro has also taken uh mark would you be going into a counter like african rainbow capital if you are going for an investment holding company or maybe would you rather go for a Remgro? Um, yeah, I think um, Ark is interesting. The, I mean, the asset that I probably like most that they own is, is Time Bank. I think that um, you know it has the potential to 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 be something special in time. I mean, you probably will have to to hold your investment for a while to realize that kind of growth, and it's not guaranteed. But I think that you know they've had a really good start, and they've managed to to open a lot of accounts, and it's just now a case of of rolling out new products and keeping those clients. Um, yeah, and um, getting at a, at a probably a fair discount. So I think that that you know it would be a, a fair investment. Yeah, and you get some diversification as well in one stock. So uh, I like that too. Uh, all right. Uh, there's a question here. I'm not sure if you guys actually look at Montauk Renewables because every time I've asked about it, there seems to be. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, an indecisiveness. So I'll just put this out, and then whoever has some insight, you can just uh, say. So Montauk Renewable. Yeah. Mark? Sure. So, I mean, I looked at, I looked at it a while back. Um, so they have some specific uh, technologies um, in the U.S. It's, it's unclear to me, um, you know, they, 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 when I looked at it last, they received quite a large uh, uh, government grant. Um, and if you, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if that continues or for how long that continues. Um, and without that, the business looked quite expensive to me. Um, I mean, they've got some IP um, and perhaps that's worth a lot, but not, you know, when I looked at it, it was, it was difficult to tell 
you know what what that what the value of that should be so to me it looked it looked very expensive for for what it was or what it is mm, ah, all right well there's a very interesting question here i want to get my 25 year old son to start investing by buying shares he has 30000 rand available now i'm looking at aeci avi or sibanye to keep for the long term can i get guidance from your panel please so aeci avi or sibanye 30,000 Rand for the long term. Devin, uh, would you be putting in one? Would you be putting in more than one or none at all? Yeah, I mean, I think before before we look at those three specific stocks, I'm not sure how the how the viewer came to, to those three. But but my sense is that if it is a start, um, that, that's terrific. I, I think, though, to just have it in, in one counter probably carries a bit too much risk from a portfolio management perspective. You, you do want some diversification across sectors and across companies. Um, you, you, you do have some in, in AVI, you know, they've got a, a diversified portfolio of assets there and AECI to a lesser degree. Um, and then Sabanya yeah, across Golden. So, yeah, I so, think um, my, my suggestion would, would, would probably be to potentially consider an investment across all three. Um, they're, they're three that we, that we view pretty constructively. Um, we, we, we like AACI, um, we like AVI and its, its pricing power, and we know Sabanya's had some issues of late, but for a, you know, for a, a precious metal producer, it's incredibly well-run, um, you know, good, good strategy, and we continue to expect them to do good deals. So, yeah, my view would probably be to, to spread the risk of it. Ah, all right. Um, I mean, just yeah, it, because it's very interesting because uh, the investors is the investor is just starting out. Um, are there any uh, counters there that would maybe cause a little bit too much stress for someone who's just starting out? Um, yeah, between AECI, AVI, and Sibanya, Mark. Yeah, I mean, um, I'm assuming he's only got thirty thousand rand to invest. He doesn't have other investments. I think you would want a more diversified portfolio. Um, of the three, my preferred one would be AVI. My least preferred would be Sibanya at this point. Um, and the reason is that Sabanya is exposed to the um, commodity cycle. So you do get times when prices are very high, which was last year, uh, when they make a lot of money, and then times where the prices are, are, are quite low, which is where we are now. And um, Sabanya going forward, you know, unless PGM prices recover, is going to make a lot less money. So so that one can show quite quite wild swings, which might not be so much fun for an investor. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it's, it's a lesson. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, talking about stress, um, Avenge, the share price of Avenge has been, a, a con- has been in constant decline despite the sale of Trident Steel. Is the price just a general consequence of the uncertainty around the construction industry? Or does one potentially see value in this uh, stock longer term? Uh, what if any can catalyze or anything can catalyze any potential upside or what can potentially catalyze any potential upside. Um, Devin, that pressure, is it event specific or just uh, jitters about the construction industry and what could potentially provide upside for that counter? Sure, that's, such a, that's, that's quite a tough question. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, I, I mean, we know how difficult and we've discussed this before, Zanati, the, the construction industry, what a difficult time they've had. You know, macroeconomic headwinds, lack of 
infrastructure investments um, in, in probably the, the public and the, and the private sector. And so, you, you know, the, our kind of the peak of our construction industry in 2010 has, has really, you know, almost been decimated since then. And Avenge is, you know, one of the ones that managed to survive, but is a, a shadow of its former self. Um, there, there are signs, signs of life. I mean, there, there are other players um, at, at the moment that are starting to, um, you know, look, look a little bit better in that regard. Um, you know, you've got companies that are feeding into, into it, um, companies um, that, you know, maybe supply the materials into, into construction that are doing a lot better. You know, a company like Aframat comes to mind. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the, the contracting for, for these guys is, is really difficult and I, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm trying to find good reasons to, mm. to jump in. I mean, bar showing some value, um, but that, that's often not just the only reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, Mark, I mean, Avenge, is the sentiment just too poor at this point that it's maybe difficult to kind of find um, a significant light at the end of the tunnel? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, they did have a recent uh, operational update, which I think was was quite weak, uh, which is probably why the, the stock's under near-term pressure. Um, and construction businesses are difficult. You know, you you contract at a at a price, and then if you you know if you're unable to make uh, make the margin that you plan to make, you, you make less money, you make loss. Um, so yeah, I think that we will need a better um a better macro environment and construction should should recover but um it's, it's a difficult stock to own very cyclical and a lot of um, event specific and contract risk in it ah all right well gents uh, let us get to your stock picks for today uh devin starting with you what are you hanging your hat on Sure. Um, I'm going to go local to today. Uh, first time in a while that, that you've done that. I'm going Omnia. Uh, this, this is a company that's been around for, for a while, uh, develops and manufactures chemicals, specialized services. But I think what, what we like is two things. One, it supplies those um, pretty diversely, so into the mining industry, into the agriculture industry, and you know specific chemical applications. And because it's so specialized, that creates a, a, a really wide moat for the business, which which we like, quite quite difficult to to replicate in that regard, um, and and also just financially, really got a strong balance sheet, sits in a net cash position, uh, it's been increasing its dividends, it's even considering a share buyback, so yeah, showing a lot of good signs for us, and um, even got a credit rating to today from Moody's before I picked it, so that that was nice, <laughs> um, and and yeah, we think at a at eight times earnings with a really juicy dividend, it, it's an attractive play in the local economy. Ah, all right. And on your side, Mark, what will your stock watch be? Uh, your yes. stock pick. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm picking uh, Anheuser Busch tonight, the largest beer brewer in the world. Uh, came out with a with a Q2 update today. Uh, revenue growing at seven percent. Um, they recently had a bit of a marketing misstep in the US, uh, where they managed to to alienate some of their loyal. Um, but light beer drinkers, but we think that, and they did show today that they are managing um, that misstep and they are confident that they'll be able to get market share back. Uh, they earn about 25% of their earnings are from the US and the rest is, 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 is the rest of the world. Um, they have quite a lot of debt at the moment um, and really the, the returns are going to come from um, the cash flows paying down debt as the debt falls from 3.7 times to 
to below three times EBITDA, I think that you will see a re-rating in the stock because the, the risks dissipate. Um, yeah, and you get a 2% dividend yield while you wait for the share price appreciation. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your analysis today, gents. Appreciate it. That's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to my guests, Devin Shute from the Robay Group and Oyster Catcher Investments' Mark Toy. Up next, the close. Stay watching.